0: Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Thursday, February 9th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Disney is the latest company to announce mass layoffs. UK regulators threw a wrench in Microsoft's plan to buy a major video game developer. And a European banking dynasty is taking its company private. I'm Mark Filippino, and here's the news you need to start your day. Disney reported fourth quarter earnings yesterday, and it was Bob Iger's first earnings call since coming back as CEO. Disney's revenue rose 8% year-on-year at the end of 2022, but the company will cut about 7,000 workers as part of cost reduction measures. Iger said the job cuts will save Disney around $5.5 billion. Disney's shares jumped 9% in after-hours trading following the announcement. The FT's Chris Grimes has more.
1: In the previous quarter, they lost a billion and a half dollars in the streaming business. And uh, that was just too much for investors who had really lost patience with, you know, these kind of never-ending, escalating bills for uh, streaming content with no path to profitability in sight. So I think uh, Iger knew when he came back to the company that he had to make a really big move to reassure people that he had a plan to get all of this under control. Uh, Bear in mind also that Iger, after he got back, is now under attack from uh, an activist investor named Nelson Peltz. And Peltz has criticized them saying that there's the costs are out of control and uh, so forth.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you brought up Peltz. Do we have a sense of what's going on there?
1: To catch everybody up on this, Peltz um, has, has launched an activist attack and what he's seeking is a board seat. He also says he wants the dividend back that Disney suspended during the pandemic. From Iger we heard some pushback on a few things. First of all, Iger said, well, we suspended the dividend during the pandemic cuz we had to, but we're going to I'm going to talk to the board and we're going to try to reinstate the dividend, although probably at a modest level by the end of the year and then build it as things get better. So he didn't mention him by name, but there were some clear arrows aimed at Pelts.
0: Chris Grimes is the FT's Los Angeles bureau chief. Microsoft is still pushing through with its $75 billion acquisition of the video game developer Activision Blizzard. But yesterday, UK regulators threw cold water on the deal. The Competition and Markets Authority said the merger would result in, quote, higher prices, fewer choices, or less innovation for UK gamers. The CMA also proposed that Activision sell off the blockbuster Call of Duty franchise, heard here.
1: Actually, I'm with Nikolai. What
0: To find out more, I'm joined by the FT's Andrew Edgecliffe-Johnson. Hey, Edge. Hi, Mark. All right. So, Edge, you actually, before this news, just interviewed Activision CEO Bobby Kotick, and he did not mince words about UK regulators. He suggested they're ideologues who aren't using independent thought. He called the UK government fragile. Not exactly making friends here. What game is he trying to play?
2: I think Activision's strategy in the UK is to try to persuade politicians to set this in a broader context, to see this as a question of where can the UK be competitive, what are the industries it should be trying to encourage rather than to rein in. And that is a question both of where is the talent, where are the potential jobs that politicians should be chasing right now in the UK in a in a tough economic climate. And it's also Asking those politicians to look over their shoulder, look at what's happening in other countries and say, if the UK does not build up um, a strong and growing video games business, which he is implying um, combined Microsoft and Activision could deliver, then somebody else is going to steal that industry. And it's probably going to be China, Japan and the US. So
0: he's pushing back a lot here. Um What role do the insults play in that strategy?
2: Well, I don't know for sure, but I strongly suspect that uh, somebody advised Bobby Kotick when he sat down with us on Tuesday that the CMA would be coming out with this negative initial verdict uh, quite soon. And so I think this is a relatively aggressive strategy for a deal like this, but it's certainly one that's likely to catch the attention of senior British politicians He mentioned Rishi Sunak quite positively. He said he's a man who understands business. He's a smart guy. I think he may be trying to get the attention of the prime minister with this kind of strategy.
0: Does the message from the UK regulator, the CMA yesterday, indicate that this is the end of the deal?
2: The people I've spoken to about the CMA initial ruling, they're saying this is not the last word. There is a process here where Microsoft and Activision can still make their case. They can still argue the case for some sort of behavioral remedies as they're known, which essentially in this case means we will agree. We will license our popular games like Call of Duty to platforms like Sony's PlayStation or Nintendo's Switch, uh, rather than the more structural remedies of forcing us to dispose of a game like Call of Duty, which is one of the ideas CMA floated with this initial set of findings.
0: Andrew Edgecliffe Johnson is the FT's U.S. business editor. Thank you, Edge. Thank you, Mark. One of the most renowned names in investment banking, Rothschild, is going private. The Rothschild family has been debating this for years. And now 42-year-old Alexandra de Rothschild has launched a 3.7 billion euro deal to take the institution off the public market. Here to explain is the FT's Harriet Agnew. Hi, Harriet. Hi, Mark. So for people not familiar with the Rothschild name, uh, why is this story significant?
3: So the Rothschilds are one of the most famous dynastic families and one of the most hallowed names in global finance. And they command this certain mystique. Um, It was a dynasty that started in the Frankfurt Jewish ghetto in the 18th century. Um, And today covers everything from financial services to real estate and uh, philanthropy.
0: So, Harriet, why does the family want to take the investment bank private?
3: Look, this is something that they've debated internally for years and years. Um, There was a sense that the public listing gave them no real benefit. Uh, I think it's three uh, businesses, a global advisory, wealth management and merchant banking. Uh, None of these needed access to capital from the public markets. And this is also a company that essentially behaves much more like a, a private company than a public one. Um, the family owns over half the shares and has two thirds of the voting rights. And so exercises almost complete control over it. Um, as Alexandre de Rothschild described it as you can't be half pregnant. So he felt that the, they'd reached the limit and full potential of the listing and their DNA was much better suited to being a private company.
0: So Rothschild wants to go private at a time when Other smaller boutique investment banks are going in the opposite direction. They're going into the public market. Does the Rothschild family know something that other boutiques don't?
3: No, not exactly. Um, I think it's more that Rothschild is a bit of a different model. One of their great selling points is the fact that it's a private partnership. Um, So when you're invited to join this illustrious group, you get a share of the profits. And ultimately, the bank's DNA is one of caution. Um, So while it tries to be entrepreneurial, you're not going to see it do big, splashy acquisitions uh, that it needs public currency for. Um, In fact, in the in the years leading up to the financial crisis, when they were in their M&A heyday, um, Alexandre's father, David de Rothschild, turned down an offer to merge with Lehman Brothers, um, which, with hindsight, proved to be rather a sensible move.
0: Dodged a bullet there, didn't they?
3: (laughs) He certainly did. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I guess, is the, is this move to go private a done deal or will they come across any opposition?
3: The family holding company needs to get to 90% of the shares in order to be able to what's called squeeze out the rest of the minority shareholders. They've already got 55% of the share capital and two-thirds of the voting rights. Um, and they're also talking to um, other like-minded families with long-term uh, investment horizons about bringing them into the share capital. And of course, there's a lot of talk about Um, the price and um, whether this is a opportunistic bid by the Rothschild family that's getting it at a rather nice price for them and a less nice price for the minority investors. Um, So there will be some minority investors who believe that the price is too cheap. But ultimately, they're going to hold limited sway. And really, who wants to take a stand against one of the most powerful families in Europe for the sake of a little bit more cash?
0: Harriet Agnew is the FT's Asset Management Editor. Thank you, Harriet. Thank you. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation... Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?